to the fifth episode of The Shannon Plan. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined by my buddy Akash. Akash, what's going on, man? What's going on, man? Your, your ACL okay over there? You, you need like an MRI or anything? We are the two people that are not hurt, believe it or not. So, we, I mean, we, we have to start there because the 49ers blew out the Jets. The Jets are not a very good team, and everybody knew that coming in, and they kind of proved that. But as we mentioned, we have to talk about the injuries because the 49ers, it didn't feel like a win. Nick Bosa tore his ACL, and in a matter of a few plays later, Solomon Thomas did the same thing. Both of those were confirmed by the team on Monday that Thomas and Bosa will be out for the season, but that's not the only injuries they've been suffering from. So D Ford, who has been out with a neck injury, apparently, is now it's a back injury. He is out indefinitely. That does not sound good. I don't know about you, Akash, but I've never heard of a person recovering from a back injury and just being well all of a sudden. Nope. And the same thing goes with the neck. That's not something you can play around with. So no. that's they're gonna, the team's going to have to be just going to have to be pretty safe with him. And I, I just I don't know. Let, let's just pause right there real quick. Will we see D four at all for the rest of the season? I'm gonna go no, just because neck and back just sounds so unpredictable. Um, Kyle Shanahan, I think he spoke twice since D Ford's injury. And both times he's just kind of been vague. I don't even think they know like what's wrong, honestly. Um, and I, I'm just going to bet against it that that type of an injury isn't something that you like wake up and all of a sudden it's gone. Um, so I would bet against him not returning this season. I'm in the same boat. I think that we've seen the last of T4, not only this season, but in a 49ers uniform. Yep. And- I don't know if he's going to retire. I don't know. I imagine the team will would probably hope that is the case, so they recoup some of that cap space. But yeah, it's just it that hasn't worked out. And for lack of better words, the Chiefs fleece the 49ers in that deal. There is no other way to slice it. So keeping it moving on the injury front because we are not done. Raheem Mostert has an MCL knee sprain. Hopefully, it's a grade one sprain, and that means he'll miss two weeks at most. Tevin Coleman is also has a knee sprain and he is going to be out multiple weeks. And we're going to touch on the running backs a little bit later. DJ Jones had an ankle injury. Dre Greenlaw had a thigh contusion. Kwan Williams left the game, but he did return. And on Wednesday, we will find out more about George Kittle and Jason Brett. They are both expected to return, but man, it, there was a rash of injuries. I don't think I've really seen anything like it. And during week two, it wasn't just the 49ers. While it's easy to focus on that, it seemed like every team was losing a very valuable player. But is I mean, as far as Nick Bosa was, nobody lost a player to that magnitude of Nick Bosa. I saw, I believe it was Rich Eisen. He said, yeah. who's a bigger yeah, loss? I saw that too. Nick Bosa running, or sorry, yeah, Nick Bosa, 49ers edge rusher, probably the best player, one of the best players in the NFL, or Saquon Barkley running back for the Giants who, yes, is very good, but cannot pass protect me if I was blitzing and has just – he doesn't move the needle like that for the Giants offense. And yeah. you know, I'm going to, like, quote to him and try to dunk on him, but I'm just – those are the type of things you just roll your eyes. Like, what are we doing here, man? Come on. Yeah, Saquon Barkley, even when he plays the Giants, won, like, two games. Yes. Uh, Nick Bosa took the Niners from, like, a four-win team to an NFC champion basically right so it's not even comparable but yeah adam schefter's timeline on sunday as these games were going was a bloodbath it was like christian mccaffrey out saquon barkley out nick bosa out jimmy garoppolo out and it was just like injuries from all over the league um 
yeah, don't know if it's from like a shortened off season, lack of preseason, um, just all that stuff kind of put together. And uh, it's kind of what you saw on Sunday, but it seemed like the 49ers got the worst of it. Um, just, you know, from the outside. I did miss the starting quarterback somehow. So yeah, Jimmy Brown <laughs> and he is going to, so he's, he's not ruled out yet. And the report came out on Monday that it's not, the injury is not as severe as they hoped. But I mean, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, he is not stepping another foot in MetLife Stadium until the 49ers face the Giants or the Jets in another year. But no way am I risking Garoppolo getting hurt. And a high ankle sprain is nothing to mess around with. So yeah. it's going to be the Nick Mullins train for maybe, one, hopefully just one game, but we, we'll, we will see. We will see, and I'm not so sure. So real quick here, and I think the only thing we really want to touch on is, on the Jets is, what did you think about Mullins just performing coming off the bench? Uh was he better than Sam Darnold? I mean, I, I thought Sam Darnold was the worst. I think you you said it. He was the worst quarterback that took a snap on Sunday. Mullins didn't look great, but it, you can't also blame him because he's not taking first-team reps. Um, he gets thrust into this situation halfway through the game um, when he hasn't been practicing all week. So it's a tough ask. They were also up, what, like double digits at halftime. So Mullins just had to protect the lead. Um, you also tweeted the play earlier. Uh, where I think Kyle Shanahan, he, he drew up a deep play for Ayuk. Mullins missed it. Protection wasn't great either. Um, I thought he was okay. You know, I, if he has to play against the Giants, the Niners should go ahead and win that game. They're favored by four points. I, I think they'll be okay, but um, he was okay. Doesn't really move the needle for me. If the 49ers lose to the Giants, even with Nick Mullins, do we start to worry? Uh, yes, yes. The panic meter would go through the roof if the 49ers were to somehow uh, leave New York with a loss. They should they should absolutely win uh, on Sunday. Yeah, and even if it's ugly, and it's probably going to be ugly, but yeah. the point is get out of New York 2-0 and get into this stretch of games that's coming up because Miami, they should still be Miami, even if Nick Mullins plays. But after that, ooh, buddy, it's going to get tough. And, and you sent a tweet or a text to us earlier just about – some of the, the teams that are upcoming. So weeks, yeah. I believe it's week six through nine, the 49ers. So in, in, in terms of NFL tiers, the 49ers are one of the seven best teams just from EPA and from EPA standpoint per play on offense and defense. 49ers are seventh. But after that, the teams ahead of them, the Packers, the Seahawks, the Patriots, the Rams, the, that's who their next opponents are after those uh, Dolphins game. So we're going to find out a lot about the 49ers very soon and hopefully – they're getting some of these guys back. So let's talk about some of just real quick going back to the Jets game. Let's talk about some of the struggles. And my biggest takeaway was the offensive line. It was not great. And even like a guy as dominant as Trent Williams, he was struggling. And I do want to yeah. talk about some of those losses to, I imagine it's some of the footing, but Williams gave up a sack. Lakin Thompson gave up a sack. Those two just don't get beat for sacks, man. And that just doesn't happen at all. Mike McGlinchey had three quarterback hits allowed. Daniel Brunsko had two. Thomas had another quarterback hit allowed. So just combine. And when I chart these games, most of like a blown block, average two to three blown blocks a game. But each of the starters allowed four at least. So McGlinchey had four total blown blocks. Brunsko had seven. Garland had seven. Tomlinson had five. And Trent Williams had four as well. So 
man, the footing was bad, but they just made Quinn Williams look like Nick Bosa. Like, seriously, it seemed like they switched bodies because he was unblockable. He was dominant. He was dominant. Another defensive tackle that was very good as well. But, yeah, should we be concerned about the offensive line? Because they they didn't play well. They Essentially, they wasted a gym from Jimmy Grappler because I thought he played very well. Yeah, they almost got him killed back there is what I thought, especially the right side of that offensive line. Mike McGlinchey, you know, we talk about him like, He's a top right tackle, but I feel like it's time to talk about his pass blocking, which has been suspect, I feel like, um, for the entirety of his career, I feel like. And, you know, last year he had the injury, and then he came back, and I thought he was getting better. But, er you know, early on in the season through two weeks, I think he's uh, given up probably the most pressures out of all the the 49ers offensive linemen uh, in in pass blocking situations. So I feel like, I don't know, he's a really good run blocker, but he seems to be – uh, a liability uh, when it comes to pass protection. And then you, you hit the nail on the head with Dan Brunsko. He hasn't been particularly good either. Uh, and you have them on the same side and they're just getting uh, roasted. So uh, luckily, you know, Garoppolo didn't get hurt worse than he did. It, luckily it's just an ankle sprain, but um, good on him for, for staying in the pocket, taking shot after shot and delivering strikes on Sunday. Um, I thought he did that better than, than week one, but yeah, it's a concern. You know, we were concerned with the interior of the offensive line, right? We were talking about Ben Garland, Hronis Grasso, um, or, or the right guard spot, but it feels like just that right side of the line now is, is a concern to me. Is, is that kind of what you saw too? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, so the, the big play was that most people will remember is McClinch just getting pulled over on the Mullins interception and that, caused Mullins to get hit, and that was the ball was just enough behind Jared McKinnon where he couldn't make the catch and it was intercepted. But honestly, like McGlinchey has had a few of those a game where it might not be as egregious as him getting bowled over, but he's just flat out missing. Like he's just whiffing against guys that are not elite pass rushers. Yes, Chandler Jones is elite, but I don't even know who the Jets have on the I game. don't either. Mm-hmm. It should even concern McGlinchey, but yeah. that, well, I, I am concerned. And I did think Brunska would be better, but yeah, Sunday Sunday just wasn't a good game for the offensive line. But what was a little optimistic and moving forward because knowing that Thomas is out, knowing that Bosa is out, knowing that D Ford is out as well. So the 49ers are going to have to have some of these young guys, including Kerry Hyder, step up and play better. And they did that. So you you were pretty optimistic from what you saw from the defense lineup. What did you see? You got to take this with context, right? They're playing the Jets. The Jets' interior offensive line was suspect at best going into the game. So I imagine that, uh, you know, pregame, I was thinking that the 49ers, at least the interior defensive line, should dominate no matter who's out there. Um, so that's kind of the caveat here. But nonetheless, when you lose a Nick Bosa, you know, uh, what was it, like 10 minutes into the game, it completely changes your game plan. You know, this is a three-down player, and now all of a sudden – Robert Sala, Chris Kacarek have to move guys like Kerry Hyder outside. Um, Kentavious Street played outside, um, you know, on the edge, rushing the passer. But I went back and I, I really wanted to see, okay, did the defensive line, you know, did they pressure the quarterback? Were they uh, pushing the offensive line? How did they perform without Nick Bosa and obviously Solomon Thomas as well? And two guys that really stood out to me were Kerry Hyder and uh, Kevin Givens. So Kevin Givens, we would say he – you know, I wasn't there, but based on what everyone's saying, he felt like a training camp, like superstar. It, it seemed like he was shining, uh, former undrafted free agent. Um, and he came away with multiple pressures, multiple plays where he was like pushing the guard back. 
and you know he may not get credited with the tackle or um or a sack or whatever but just him pushing the guard back allows other guys to get there um forces the quarterback to you know move right or left pushing him into another defender so i thought you know he played really well he had a tackle for loss i think um literally just pushed the guard right back into frank or frank or had nowhere to go um carrie Hyder, another guy that's versatile plays inside and outside um there was one play where him and kinlaw ran like a stunt and Hyder came lined up outside came around and uh had a sack i believe on that play um or or quarterback hit excuse me um so those two guys really stood out i thought eric armstead played a pretty good game he was he was quiet week one but he came back um off the edge had a had a sack uh, had another pressure that I thought was really good. He had that one play where Sam Darnold had like a screen, Armstead read it, batted the ball down. So a lot is going to be expected of those guys. Um, DJ Jones, also Javon Kinlaw. Um, you know, this team's going to rely on its depth now moving forward rather than just the superstars, you know, and Nick Bosa and D Ford. Um, you know, Ronald Blair is one of those guys that uh, Chris Kosarek is going to want back soon. He He was – good off the edge last season and they're going to need as much depth as possible there, but there's some promise, um, you know, along the defensive line, they're obviously not going to be as good as last year, but I don't think they're going to fall to like 2018 levels of like ineptitude where they just like couldn't get near the quarterback. They'll be somewhere in between. Um, It's, it's going to be like an opportunistic defense where, you know, they'll have to get timely sacks or pressures or, Solomon might have to blitz an extra rusher or whatever it is, but it won't be as good as 2019, but I don't think it will, it will be as bad as 2018. It was kind of my takeaway from, from Sunday. Yeah. I imagine it would be somewhere in the middle. So they're not going to be at this elite level getting pressure, but they're not going to be like below average. So right. even if they're average, I feel like they'll be fine. If they can maintain an average and just continually get these timing sacks, as you said, they'll be fine. So, I like to just judge players off of wins. So generally speaking, as I chart these things, anything, anybody that has over three wins is usually play, has a really good game. And I don't think people understand defensive linemen do not win a lot in the NFL. So when they win, it's very good. So DJ Jones had the most wins at four. Kerry Hyder Jr. had three. Kevin Givens had three wins. Eric Armstead had three wins as well. So that is very promising. Javon Kinlaw had two, but he was, just, he was disruptive. He had one stop and a couple. The defensive line did a good job of getting stops. Uh, Eric Armstead had two quarterback hits. Givens had one. Hyder had one. So they were in the backfield. I thought Hyder's motor was great. I thought he showed really High good. motor. Yeah, he, he's an effort guy, and that's what he needs to be. So if he's going to play a lot, he's going to have to show off that motor and just run around a bunch and make plays. So he did a good job of that. I thought DJ Jones was the same. And I like that you brought up Kevin Givens because he did play very well in training camp. It seemed like he was neck and neck with Contavious Street, but he's he's just a better player than Contavious Street. Yeah. yeah. So, the but as I mentioned from the top, these guys are they're going to have to continue to play like this, and it sucks that it's that that type of pressure is going to be on them because they were just depth guys coming into the season. Yeah. Wasn't going to be expected of them, but these kids are going to have to grow up very fast. And the reason that that they're going to have to grow up very fast is if the secondary continues to play like they have been it's not going to be very good. So one of my big issues was Achilleo Witherspoon. And the 49ers are playing more of a field and boundary this year for I, – I don't, I don't get it. I think it's because 
Richard Sherman has lost a step. And I don't know if that's probably not going to be popular. I don't even know if the 49ers would be willing to admit that, but that just suits Sherman right now. So you can see he, he's playing the, but he's playing the field side, right? At least week one. Yeah. So he's playing the field. He's, so that's the wide side of the field. Not a lot of throws go to the wide side of the field. Most of the throws go to the boundary. And that's just like the, the most basic football terms. You want to isolate your best receiver on the short side of the field to make it an easy throw away from the coverage. So, Witherspoon filled in for Sherman, and he just did not play well. He did not look confident. He was targeted eight times, gave up six completions for 117 yards. And I track track these blown coverage. So it's either your shutdown coverage where there's just no chance the receiver has to to make on the play. You're in position, so you're just within arm's length, and you can make a play on the pass. Or you're blown coverage, which means you are not within arm's length of the receiver and – Akilah Witherspoon had five blown coverages. He gave up four first downs, and he had two plays that he allowed over 20 yards. He just did not look like a confident person at all. He had a couple coverage busts. And he just, when he plays the field, he's giving the receiver so much separation that he just seems like he's content with allowing anything underneath so he doesn't need to be up top. That is just not how you can play in this defense. You have to be aggressive. And, man, it's – I. I'm fascinated to see if we if Jason Brett does, is healthy. If we I was going to say, yep, because he was better, much better than Akilah Witherspoon. And based on Sunday, there like Brett can't be worse because he was just not very good at all. What, what were you going to say about Brett? I was just going to say, yeah, Jason Brett's coming back to practice on Wednesday. Um, Kyle Shanahan and Robert Saul are probably praying that Brett's going to be healthy and ready to go after watching Witherspoon play. Just looks like he's too much in his own head. Um, it looks like he's overthinking things and just not playing like within himself with like any confidence or um, any like mojo or anything, you know, he's, I don't know. He just looks kind of lifeless out there and I, I feel bad, but um, yeah, you, you texted me earlier and you're like, yeah, Witherspoon just did not look good. And so uh, yeah, not, not promising for his, for his future. I feel like he's going to get Dante Pettis <laughs> next <laughs> starting next week. <laughs> Uh, where he's just not going to see the field. I feel like Verrett's going to come back and just take his job. And assuming he stays healthy, uh, Verrett feels like the backup, um, even when, like, Sherm comes. So, oh, Yeah, I'll be interested to see if, if – let's say Verrett does play, and let's say Verrett makes a couple plays. What happens when Sherman does come back? Because Mosley had a pass interference penalty. He, did. he was targeted three times. He only gave up one completion for nine yards, so nothing egregious. But there was one play where I felt like – he could have made a play on the pass. He just, again, he's he's young. You can tell he's inexperienced and he doesn't have the same type of – you can just tell he doesn't hasn't played a lot based on the mistakes that he's made. But the first week against Hopkins, he was also giving up a lot of space and just wasn't playing as aggressive as you would think. And that has just never been a thing for Brett. So the 49ers are going to have to work that cornerback situation out. Jimmy Ward has played a lot in the slot the last couple weeks. And, yeah, he just hasn't been as as – good as he was last year either so they're gonna have the teams they're gonna come up to a team that is going to throw the ball all over them and it's probably not going to be the Giants though I do think the Giants are going to give the secondary more problems than people believe because I think Darius Slayton is a very good receiver and it's going to be about whether Daniel Jones has time and now that there is no Nick Bosa there is no D Ford yeah we're going to have some time to make plays so that'll be something to keep yeah, obviously no no Saquon Barkley. I, I heard Sterling Shepard, he's also hurt, so he may miss the game. But, yeah, like you mentioned, Darius Slayton is a threat. Evan Ingram's a threat. So, um, 
like I said, the Giants don't really worry me. It's that stretch you mentioned that starts with like the Rams, uh, then New England, then Seattle, then Green Bay. Um, all those pass offenses look pretty good. Um, pretty good or really good. They all have multiple receivers. Um, and if you can't get home against a good quarterback, receivers are going to get open. The secondary is not good enough to cover for four or five, six seconds, right? And yeah, so I feel like the defense is going to get torched in the middle of the season. Um, yeah, that that's worrisome. Yeah, we're gonna, as you mentioned, we're gonna find out. We talked about this before we hopped on here. There's gonna be a lot of pressure on Jim Garoppolo to perform because there's not going to be this gauntlet defense that is going to be able to save the day. So, fair or not, there's going to be pressure, and we will see if Jimmy will be able to be up to the task. So, we're gonna take a quick break here. When we get back, we are going to talk about a little fine that Kyle Shanahan got. All right, so the NFL find a few coaches here. They actually find both coaches on Monday night for not wearing a mask, and Kyle Shanahan, along with Pete Carroll, and I believe I forgot the other name, um, but Kyle Shanahan was fined. Was it a hundred thousand dollars? I know the uh, team. Yeah, it was a hundred thousand dollars, and then the team got fined two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. So, uh, hey, but what? So, what is Jed York? Do, do you just take that all out of Kyle Shanahan's pocket, or like how does that work? No, 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 no. Kyle runs this organization. I'm pretty sure Kyle probably got the the receipt or whatever from from Goodell, the fine letter, I should say. And he just forwarded that to Jed York. And he's like, ah, right, you cover that. <laughs> no way Kyle Shanahan's paying a hundred thousand dollar fine uh for not wearing a mask. It, I, I tweeted this out and we're we're I don't want to get sidetracked. I don't understand it at all. The, like the rule, right? Because your players aren't wearing masks. Right. And it's like you, you can take off the mask to like you you know uh have a play call and then you have to like throw back on like it makes no sense to me they get tested on a daily basis and it's a hefty fine on top of that like just makes zero sense there's no way Kyle Shanahan's paying that that fine it's, it's gonna be Jed um paying 350 I, I would imagine so Shanahan never like after the first series I'm pretty sure he just he just it was just on his neck he he goes with like the gator he's not like you know, he's not Andy Reid style with the, the face guard or anything, or some guys have like the, the actual mask. He does the gator and it was on his neck the entire time. Like he wasn't even trying to fake it. Yeah. I, I just, and we don't have to spend too much time on this. What I'm curious about though, is will the NFL stay harsh on coaches that have already been fine? Like if, cause this is going to happen again, somebody else yeah. is going hundred percent. So I'll be fine every week. Or is this like your one, Hey, we told you no. And then that's that. Yeah, I'm curious too. Like, is Kyle gonna like just have his mask on the entire game, like in New York this week? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's Let's funny though. Free agents and the 49ers, they finally worked out a deal with Ziggy and saw after he kind of told them, yo, uh, you need to pay me more money last week. So he agreed to a one year deal for $3 million. But I don't think that's gonna be the last signing that the 49ers make. And I don't think that they like they're done either. So who else would be a good fit for the 49ers? So you have Cam, Cam Wake, who is 38, but he's probably still the best pass rusher available, and he's probably the closest thing to D Ford as it gets. He uh, played 198 snaps last season. He had two and a half sacks and eight QB hits. For reference, Eric Armstead had seven QB hits and 788 snaps last year. So Wake can rush the passer. He's still a very good athlete, even though he is 52 years old. But I would, I would go that route. And I also think there's a couple other options. 
I think Jabal Sheard, who played with the Colts last year, he's 31. He had four and a half sacks, four QB hits last year. He's probably closer to an every down player, more so than Cameron Wake is. Sheard had 23 stops last year. He's not the type of player that'll wow you, but he's just a solid veteran player that can probably give you more on an every down basis. Another guy I think that the 49ers should look at is Terrell Suggs, just because he's like a good veteran smart player. Yep. And if the 49ers are really worried about their run defense, like that is a guy you want to go get because he just doesn't make mistakes against the run. He's probably not going to wow you again at this age anyway, but he was productive in 2019. So he had six and a half sacks. He had five QB hits. And as I mentioned, he's like far and away the best run defender. I think that they would have to worry about signing any of these guys, keeping them fresh. Um, another big name that we talked about before we hopped on is Clay Matthews, who I'm not so sure he is as good as fans believe he is. He had the best numbers. So in 2019, Clay Matthews had eight sacks. He had seven QB hits. But he also played alongside Aaron Donald. who And Dante Fowler. is very good at football. So that, I mean, I just don't see Matthews having that same type of success if he was to face the 49ers. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. If, he, if they bring him in, I will watch every snap of him last year to see if he is indeed that good. But do you, do you have anybody in mind that you think the 49ers should go grab? Yeah, I think Terrell Suggs was probably the most interesting name to me. I don't know why. A lot of people mentioned Cameron Wake. You, you brought it up too. But like at 38 years old, that like concerns me, especially because, you know, we're only two weeks into the season and he's going to be a rotational pass rusher for another 14 weeks and then maybe the playoffs if, if the 49ers get in, right? So that, that worries me a little bit. Suggs is also up in age, up in, you know, age. But um, that that's a guy I would look to, especially just veteran presence. Um, has been a part of playoff teams and playoff runs and could help out some of these young uh, defensive linemen. Um, but I, I imagine they bring on someone else. Um, feels like they're short on edge depth. They were short coming into the season. We talked about it, right? Now they've lost both of their starters. I would imagine Kerry Hyder starts on one side and Eric Armstead, at least on base downs, starts on, on defensive end, the other defensive end spot. And then, yeah, you got to get a rotation going, right? Ronald Blair, he's on pup, so he can't come back for the first six weeks of the season. So you got to wait another like month before he's even in the conversation. Uh, Ziggy Ansa, there's a reason he was available in, in September. You know, his ability to stay healthy is always in question, but he had his best season with Kosarek in what, 2017, 16, something like that. So maybe Kosarek can pulled you know a rabbit out of a hat again seems to have done that with Hyder. Yeah. um i would go the Suggs route um something else we texted about earlier in the week is like okay if the 49ers were to go trade for a pass rusher who can they go get problem is we're only two weeks into the season so there's no clear like playoff team this team isn't going to make to the playoffs like every team right now thinks they've got a shot so like who's going to give up a pass rusher for any you know amount of picks right now, right? Um, a name, another name that was tossed out was like Ryan Kerrigan with the Redskins. Like, could he make an impact? I think he's like 32, uh, not a part of Ron Rivera's you know pass rushing rotation right now. Um, he's on the last year of like 11 million dollar deal. So, could the Niners like trade something for him later in the season? Maybe, but yeah, I, I would go like the Suggs or the Wake route let Blair get healthy and then kind of see where the pieces fall and make like a splash play uh, like you did with Sanders midseason last year, depending on where they're at, like eight, eight weeks into the season, right? That's a good point because two weeks into the season, 
nobody's going to give up an edge rusher, which is arguably the most important position in the game after quarterback. Two weeks in the season, you still think you have a chance. And even Washington, who is terrible, and Ryan Kerrigan, who doesn't start, but you, you're still, you're not going to let go of a pass rusher for pennies, for nothing, because you have to think the 49ers, knowing Kerrigan's 31, knowing he is on the last year of his contract, like what value, why, why would you give up a premium draft pick for him? And another name that we kind of talked about was Carl Lawson on the Bengals. Yeah. is another team that's probably not. Same thing. But he's younger. He, he's been hurt. And he has, I believe he lost a little bit. So I think he tore his ACL. I mean, he was battling a hamstring injury last year. So a little bit of his athleticism is gone. But he's a younger guy that probably would be worth calling. And I imagine Lynch has been all over the phones because he's been so aggressive during his tenure as a general manager that yeah. – it would make sense for him to make a, type, a splash play. And I do think that we see that. I'm just not sure who that is yet. And I just can't wait to find out. So um, getting back to the offensive side of the football. So with Raheem Mostert out, with Tevin Coleman out, we're not, so, we're not sure how long those two will be out. So the only healthy running back, well, that would leave Jarek McKinnon, who has played very well. He is not going to be an every down back, though. And I don't. I think, in my opinion, that – McKinnon is more of a less is more type of guy. So you don't want to feature him with, you know, 15, 20 touches. He's going to make the most out of his seven, eight, nine, whatever touches he gets. And he's probably best that way. So quick question for you, Jeff Wilson Jr., who I I imagine, do we both agree that he's going to be the quote unquote bell cow if that exists in Shanahan's offense? Yes, I would think so. And you hit the nail on the head, right? You'd want to use Jarek McKinnon for those like splash plays or whatever, right? You want him to have like five touches for 40 yards or something like that, right? Where he has one huge run and he's not used as much. So yes, I think Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, gets the bulk of the carries the, the next few weeks with Moster and Coleman uh, out. Uh, similar situation to weeks two and three last year, I think, right? Where... The Niners had a bunch of injuries at running back and um, Jeff Wilson Jr. I think he had like three or four rushing touchdowns in that span. He had a bunch of rushing yards. Um, that's when he kind of became a household name with 49ers fans. So I imagine um, something similar again this year for him. So, though, he ha- though he hasn't played like much through the first couple of weeks, even though he's been active. Probably the most frustrating thing about McKinnon getting in or not McKinnon, about Coleman getting injured was for the first time in ever, Shanahan used McKinnon as a passer, as a receiver. And he was actually splitting out as a receiver. Garoppolo hit him on a very nice throw over the middle, but he was running routes. And that never happened in 2019. So, of course, now that they had success, Coleman is out for multiple weeks. So, like, the one thing that I felt like Coleman would bring and add to the offense, we won't get to see. But that adds Jamichael Hasty, who was likely going to be called up and the 49ers protected him on Tuesday. So that way, no other team can sign him, which would indicate that they are planning to use him or planning to at least have him active for Sunday against the Giants. I'm pretty fascinated to see how he plays because McKinnon, is, he, ha- he struggles in pass protection. I think he had one, he had one bone block in pass protection. He also had a nice push. Yeah. But for running backs, that's going to be tough overall. And that was actually Coleman's strong suit as well. The issue with Hasty is pass protection because he is going to get in space. He's going to get in the open field and he's going to make you look silly. The question is, can a hasty be relied on in pass protection? And if he does get carries, 
will he be able to make the most of it? Because he does have a habit of bouncing the ball when he doesn't need to. So, and that's another thing that McKinnon did. And McKinnon actually did that on a couple of carries against the Jets as well. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. And that's probably why Jeff Wilson will be the, the yeah. main guy. And I, yeah. he, he's, so he's knowing he doesn't have that same burst as most but he does. I think the 49ers running game will be fine so long as the offensive line isn't just a complete disaster as they were against the Jets. But I, I really think that Wilson will be fine. I think he's a good runner. I think he does a really good job of making the most out of his carries by getting north and south. Like he doesn't try to do too much. He's not flashy, but he just knows where to go. He knows how to – he has better vision than Tevin Coleman, and that might not be saying much, but he's a better <laughs> – Low bar. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of fascinated to see how the running game goes. And, man, uh, if, if Shanahan can get the same kind of production out of out of Wilson Jr., that'll that'll be good news for the offense. Yeah, my, my hasty expectations are fairly tempered as well. Just because, you know, no preseason, no, you know, rookie minicamp, no OTAs, none of that stuff. So he's coming into a complex offense with just not much time in it. Um Though running back, I feel like is one of those positions that translates pretty well from from college to uh, the NFL. The one area you hit on that's that's tough is pass protection. Um, so I imagine you know in passing downs, like McKinnon is your back, um, not Hasty. So he's probably going to get some carries on on Sunday, and so we'll see what he does. Like you mentioned, he may have some some splash plays that are highlight worthy, but. Uh, I still imagine that Wilson's going to get the, the bulk of the load. So before we get out of here, I want to hit you with this. Somebody texted me today and said, I think Jordy is a better red zone route runner than George Kittle. How does that make you feel? Uh, I think it's true. Um, I was talking to uh, Bonte Hill yesterday, and he and I were talking about Darren Waller in the same vein, as, but just as route runners. Um, and I thought Waller was just a better route runner, like as a receiver than George Kittle. And he kind of agreed. And I, I feel like I think the same of Jordan Reed, maybe I'm like underrating George Kittle's just route running ability. When I think George Kittle, I think after the catch, not like before the catch, like he catches the ball and he destroys you and he breaks tackles and all that stuff. I don't think of him as like a finesse route runner that gets open because he like juked you out of your shoes or something like that. So I don't think it's that that crazy to say. Um, George Kittle barely gets targeted in the end, the red zone, and Reed caught like two touchdowns. That tells you what Kyle thinks, at least, right? Yeah. What I thought was that stood out, especially when Garoppolo was playing, was the, the chemistry between Reed and Garoppolo was so good. It was better than any receiver not named Kittle, honestly. They yeah. were on the same page, and Jimmy hasn't been on the same page with the receiver. But you can tell that the, the trust is there. So he was looking at him. And the reason that I kind of agreed with the person who said this was Reed is setting up guys and Kittle doesn't really set up guys with routes. He's not really, you know, laying his routes, double standing, all these football nerd terms, but Reed is really doing a good job of that. And the big difference is Kittle tries to run you over and yeah. Reed tries to make you miss. And running is, when you run people over, it looks great, but you're, you're more than likely you're going to get tackled. Reed broke two tackles with the ball in his, air, with the ball in his hands. And one of them led to a touchdown. So, man, I cannot wait to see him and Kittle featured together because eventually we're going to get to the point where 12 personnel, 
get all these second tier wide receivers out of there. Brandon Ayuk is going to speed up and he's going to stop people because I thought Ayuk was thinking a little bit too much. He looked he was like head on a his head was spinning essentially. It's tough. Yeah. It was his first game. Like first game, yeah. His first game where he was actually, you know, a prominent player. So it's tough to be too hard on him, but I imagine he'll be better. And again, he's not going to be like their number one target. So when it is going to be Debo, it's going to be Ayuk on the outside, and then you have Kittle and Reed inside. And even with Mullins playing quarterback, I, I feel like they'll be fine, man. I feel like they're gonna they're gonna put up points. But on the other hand, they're going to have to put up points because yeah. what the defense has played early on, and even though they allowed 13 points against the Jets, the Jets were moving the ball early on the 49ers, and that was it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, but. Back to your back to your the two tight ends thing, especially against like weaker linebackers like the Saints last night. They were giving up ton of yards to Darren Waller. Um, you know the 49ers play the Giants this week. They have Blake Martinez, who Kyle Shanahan like loves to like throw at. So I imagine Jordan Reed's gonna like get try to get you know mismatched on Blake Martinez like all game. Um, Steven Ruiz, uh, the USA Today writer, he has the meme with like where it's Kyle Shanahan, there's like a microscope and it's like his way of like trying to dissect like who to go after. And this week it's going to be Blake Martinez. I guarantee it. They went after him in those two Packers games. And I would imagine Jordan Reed, Jarek McKinnon, Jeff Wilson Jr. In the passing game, they're going to go right after um, the Giants newly signed linebacker. Yeah. So the Giants have two new starting linebackers. So they did away with their linebackers last year. So, yeah, the, the 49ers should have success over the middle of the field. As you mentioned, they're four-point favorites. There's, If we are doing this next week and the 49ers are one and two, we will have big problems to talk about. So we will leave you with that. We don't. We both believe that the 49ers will win two and one next week. Should First off, before we get out of here, should Kittle play on Sunday? No, no. There, there should be no reason. Kittle should just take the flight back from uh, Greenbrier back to like San Jose. Put him on a flight that's not dented. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he shouldn't play on, on Sunday. The giants stink. Um, the 49ers should win without Kittle, without Mostert, without Garoppolo, all these other guys. I, Kyle Shanahan is, could run circles around Joe judge and the defensive staff they have. Um, and I think, I think they should just win and come home. They've got three straight games at Levi's and you worry about getting offensive guys healthy at that point when you're on grass and not the MetLife turf. Yeah, and they should be able to have some success the next week as well against the Eagles, even the Dolphins. That's if they can if they can win these next three, that'll give them some confidence and that'll allow them a little bit of leeway as well as they enter that tough stretch of schedule. So yeah, we didn't even get a chance to really talk about the disaster that was heading to New York, where Kyle Shanahan said something, someone hit the team plane before the 49ers plane even took off. Which okay, <laughs> and then on Sunday night. The MRI truck, which I have never heard of. I've never heard of that. There's an MRI truck? They had an MRI truck, which would give them the results, and they had to wait for the results for the players' injuries because that MRI truck broke down. Um, Time to get the hell out of the East Coast, for sure. Maybe it's because they were in West Virginia and not near, like, a facility, because I'd imagine, like, Levi's or MetLife Stadium or whatever has, like, an X-ray machine, an MRI machine, whatever, where if you're the Giants, for instance, you just go to MetLife, you get your MRIs, or you go to a local hospital, whatever, right? But for these guys, because they're in the, like, middle of nowhere in West Virginia, um, not dissing West Virginia, but 
<laughs> do, do they have to get like an MRI truck sent out or something like that? Like just a weird four days. Um, Kyle spoke on Monday. Um, he looked like he hit the bottle pretty hard. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. Um, that up, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just injuries all over the place, brutal travel. Uh, don't get MRIs on your player on the injured players to know their status. Um, and so, but yeah, regardless of all that, I still imagine they're going to be, um, what two and one after this week. And then they come home and they play, uh, two more teams that are terrible. Um, so, you know, the injury God screwed them, but I think the football scheduling gods kind of favored them because they're hurt, but they're playing the easiest stretch of their schedule. Easiest, probably four games between the Jets, Giants, Eagles, and, and Dolphins. So I, I think they can come away with this stretch four and one and feel pretty good about themselves, yeah, despite they, who's healthy and all that stuff. If they get out of here four and one, man, Kyle Shannon would do a hell of a job. And even Robert Sala, like they, they've probably done a hell of a job. But it also goes to show you that the 49ers are a very deep team. They have a lot of good yeah. players and they are able to win these type of games. So I am Kyle Posey. You can follow me on the Twitter at KP underscore show. This is the Shanna Plan. I am joined by Akash. Akash, where can we find you? Find me on the Twitters, uh, like KP said, at Akash Anav, A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. And this is the Shanna Plan Podcast. And as always, go Niners.